Good. Ready to talk some Patriots losing this Sunday? <laughs> we're gonna have an I keep pes- trying to tell him. We're gonna have an out pessimism contest, man. I'm telling you. You're a I'm fu- telling you. A funny guy we got here. <laughs> Brian Yellow's a funny guy. Yeah, he's my resident Patriots fan around here. And uh for some reason he seems to think the Patriots are a lot worse than they are, even though they just won the Super Bowl. So yeah. <laughs> Hey, they were good last year. I'm just saying so far this year, it's September, you know. Hey, 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 hey. Let's save the the football talk for the football show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the fourth so podcast. Got, oh, hey guys! That was yeah. the longest silence to start the show. Oh wait, wait! I thought the meme was for me to interrupt myself here. What the heck? Damn it! On, we gotta start over. Oh my god! No, we're not screw up right. <laughs> yeah, I told you that was gonna happen, Brad. And you thought I told gonna you let... that I was gonna interrupt myself. And, and, and you, go you said, "LOL, that'd be great." And then you didn't even let me interrupt myself. You interrupted me interrupting myself. Did you? Come uh, on, man! Did you think you we didn't see ask... it coming, though? Did you? See? <laughs> Uh, you know, sadly, I did see it coming. I did, because I knew that you guys, one of you two assholes pulled that shit. So. <laughs> you think we we're going to actually do what we, what we said? Do exactly what you were expecting us to do? And, and oh, my anything? God. Yeah. So, anyway, welcome to the fourth and short podcast. This is uh, Brian, and uh, these assholes I'm on with are uh, John and Brad. And we have a special guest, somebody I know personally, who happens to be a Patriots fan. And this is uh, Spencer, so. Spencer, how you doing tonight? Hey, Brian, doing good? Hey, good, good. He's going to talk about the bloodbath the Panthers are about to go through with the... Uh... Yep, the bloodbath that they are going to put on the Patriots. We're ready for this. Oh, my God. Oh, my All Lord. Right. Hey, listen, we got to put this out right here so far. Yes, they are 2-1, and one, you know, my my pets. Uh, but uh, each game has been pretty rough so far, so we're going to have an out-pessimism party. I'm, I'm ready to bring it. Three-on-one, guys. Let's go. I, I, <laughs> I, I want to ask you the first question. Yes. Do all the other Patriots fans hate you because you actually think your team is mortal and can lose? Can I tell you? Can I tell you something? Um, I guess it would be on the cuff because it's 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 official here. I have never once, including being to Gillette Stadium, met a Patriots fan that I like. So it's a very lonely road that I like. I, I feel like I am yes annoying, but I feel like I'm annoying in like the confines of reality. Whereas every other Pats fan I've ever met has been like either we're the worst of all time or woo Tom goat baby. You know, then there's like nobody in the middle right here. And I'm going to try to bring you just a little bit of that like reality pessimism today. Okay, well, I've got a follow up question. Um, Are you sure you're a Patriots fan? (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, like legit, I, 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 Gillette Stadium is a beautiful place. I visited it last year um, to uh, see uh, them play the Rams, and I was so disgusted with how bad the fans are. And yes, I understand NFL fans anywhere are are terrible, but it was it was disgusting. And I'm I'm the lone Patriots fan that's on the outside. You know, they'll turn to me and they'll be like, you know, for a high five after a touchdown. And I'm like, no. You didn't respect blah. So it's a dude. We were at the Browns game last year. They, they played the Browns in Cleveland, right? And uh, my oh, friends, that was a my, my friends and I, it was it was a great day, game for us to see. So they were announcing the Cleveland Browns, right? And they announced Joe Thomas, right? So of course we're already standing up. We start like cheering and whooting because he's freaking Joe Thomas, right? And these Pets fans behind us were like, "Why are you cheering him? He's a Brown." And we turned around and we're like, "Dude, he's he's Joe Thomas, dude. Like seriously." And uh. Well, we didn't high five them all game, so yeah, show them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, guess, I bet they were wicked mad. They were they were wicked mad. <laughs> that's but that's like every experience I ever see with Patriots fans is it's like I get being all about your team, and obviously Patriots fans have every reason to be proud of their team and have faith in their team. But it's like the extent to which a lot of Patriots fans I see treat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as like deities, and that their team is this un- invincible, unstoppable force that the NFL, like the rest of the teams, are just privileged to even have the opportunity to share the league with. Is like, okay, guys, it's a little much. 
You, no, no, I'm I'm totally on your on your side right there. Like I respect the the heck out of both of them, and yeah. you know I realize their greatness. But I'm just I I look at it like Belichick does. It's like what have you done for me recently? You know. Yeah. So if they're having a bad week, you're like I mean during the Chiefs game to start the season, I was so mad. I don't care that we just won. The, I mean it's great that we just won the bowl, but you know it's what have you just done for me? That's 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 football, man. So I totally let let's just put that out there right away. Patriots fans are the worst. They are the worst fans in the NFL. <laughs> Second place is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if you guys have any experience with them. Second oh God, yeah. no, Steelers. not at all. No, no. <laughs> there's there's at least one at every football game at every Panthers game. I'm, I'm going to guess that for the NFC South, the worst is the Falcons, just to guess. Probably not. Yeah, no. the Saints are the worst. Saints, Saints are the worst. Are they? Okay. We, we don't have many Saints fans up here in Pennsylvania, so it, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, we all, have, we all have our terrible fans. But, like I said, Patriots fans, above and beyond, they, they, they take the goat spot for that. It's, it's incredible how bad they are. <laughs> hey, we do. I mean, we, we also have the distinction of at least uh, we have this other thing going for us where our fans – it seems the majority of our fans hate our quarterback, so that's cool. That our former MVP winning quarterback, so we have that going for us. It's kind of interesting how fast. Like I'm reading all this stuff on a on a, the SB Nation uh, site for us, Pat's pulpit, and like they're pretty much just like, eh, you know, Cam, eh, you know, they're not like former MVP winner and somebody who can still, you know, put the whole game on its back, Cam Newton. They're like. All they really have to do is contain Cam. Just make sure he doesn't run. Make him throw it. GG. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right. It's probably right about. It's probably right, right at this point in time because he's not allowed to run anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's his a offensive really... coordinators neutered him to the point where he can't do anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a super good thing for us because uh, did you guys see the highlights from the Texans Patriots game last uh, last week? A little bit. Watson was as elusive as ever, and every time the Pats play a really mobile quarterback, it doesn't matter how good he is, he's getting around. So if he's not allowed to run too much, um, that's definitely going to go towards uh, you know the Patriots' uh, positive right there. I think we've called one, maybe two designed runs for him so far this year, and he scrambled a couple times. And well, let's head. I, I mean, let, let's head straight into this. I mean, I, I was going to bring this up anyway, but uh, our, our big, uh, big star linebacker Danta uh, Hightower has been out since week one. Um, we're not entirely sure if he's going to play, you know, this week from everything I'm seeing. But if he's out, I mean, the the game plan for for you know you guys should be just run it up the middle over and over again. Oh, we're good with at that. Cam. Without Cam, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, they're going to do that even if he's playing because that's that's been the game plan, like. As they said, they've seemed to have neutered Cam Newton, but really it's just trying to take the the strain off of his shoulder because he's been sore every time he's thrown the ball, which is super frustrating, mind you. But their running game has worked decently when they don't abandon it middle the middle of the game. Well, just um, last so, week. We, but, yeah. but Shula has been running the ball up the gut every game, regardless of how good it's gone. So... You know, yeah. that you you can you can definitely expect that to happen as a Patriots fan. We can and definitely guy, expect that. Your guys' running situation, is it uh is McCaffrey like the the one A right now, or is he more of like a third down kind of guy? We don't really know, I would say. Like well one, to piggyback what Brian said, you guys could put eleven guys on the line of scrimmage, put them in the box, and Mike Schull would counter that by saying, Hey Cam, bring every <laughs> put all the tight ends in so we can make sure we have somebody to block all those guys as we run it up the middle. Um, instead of saying, like, hey, well, we just throw it. But uh, Stewart, last week in particular, has been taking more of the, the carries, and McCaffrey's been get, got a lot of catches. It was more 50-50 in terms of carries the first two weeks. But uh, I don't really think we know, because, like, I saw Steve pointed out that uh, this is this is how good our play design is. We like to do this triple option look, where we have one back to the left of Cam and behind him, and Cam will uh, hand off on the dive, and he'll either have the option to hand off or on the dive and if he pulls he has like a speed option with the running back behind him so naturally we have McCaffrey line up next to Cam to take the dive and if Cam pulls the ball he's got John Stewart running to the outside for the pitch makes absolutely yeah, no it sense. makes perfect sense you know we've, we've got the quick guy for the dive and the slow guy for the, the speed yeah, option with the slow power guy <laughs> running the speed outside and then the the, the shifty uh, agile one running up the middle. So that's that's yeah. kind of a good uh, representation of what we're dealing with on a play that, call yeah. front. 
That, that's pretty much exactly what we do. We, we're we playing 3D chess while you're playing checkers. And <laughs> you'll, you'll never see it coming, but you'll stop it with ease. That That's our offense in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I mean, let me ask you because, uh, I, and I don't mean to overtake this by being the one asking the questions, but I wanted McCaffrey so bad in the uh, – I knew he wasn't going to happen. The Patriots didn't even have a first-round pick. But uh, how are you guys liking him so far? He seems like the quintessential, like – Patriot guy that can pretty much do a little bit of everything. He would have like a billion yards in your guys' offense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah he would. He would already be rookie of the year if if you guys. He had already him, has a trophy because right you now. would know how to use him. I mean, it. I like him. I'm glad we drafted him. Uh, you know, looking back on it, OJ Howard would be nice right now considering Greg Olson's hurt. But you know, we didn't know that was going to happen in May when we drafted him. But um, I really like him, and I think if we got a real offensive coordinator who knew how to to craft a game plan based on what he has available, I think that McCaffrey would be one of those you know um, top tier star level players in this league. I, I think he has a lot of potential to do that. Yeah. So, it, Spencer, to give you yeah. um, some perspective on this, um, so you're used to watching the Patriots' offense where they had Edelman. Gronk, uh, Amendola, White, you know, all these different playmakers who they integrate into the offense and Brady hits them when they're open. Brady hits them when they have the opportunity to play. Brady incorporates all of them on a given Sunday. What the Panthers have done with Christian McCaffrey is not quite that. They basically have force fed him the ball, kind of similar to the way that the Dolphins have been force feeding Jarvis Landry over the last year, year and a half. Um, so McCaffrey's done well in certain situations, but there's a lot of times where he, gets, he catches the ball, makes the best that he can, gets four, three, four or five yards, but it's not a situation where like the defense is not ready for it or anything like that. It's more so like Carolina is manufacturing these touches for him and that's just not natural for the offense. So he's done well with what they've thrown at him, but he definitely hasn't had the opportunity to be like the guy where the defense isn't expecting it so much. Well, it sounds to me like the major problem you guys are talking about so far is the, like the play calling, just like the general, you know, offensive play calling. So they don't, the, the, one of the things I love about the, in fact, probably the number one thing I love about the Pats is you don't know what you expect every week. Right. So I'm sure I know Brian, I know, I know Brian (laughs) plays fantasy, right. And I'm sure you other two guys play as well. Um, so that's why the, you know, the old adage is don't draft any Pats besides, you know, Brady and Gronk, because one week Chris Hogan could have three touchdowns and the other week he won't get a single pass because they, they, they play to the, the defense's weaknesses. And that's one of the things I absolutely love. There's no way you, you know, can do um, that. what, what is that like? <laughs> it's well for fantasy, it's bad for real football. It's great because, you know, sometimes last year when we had, uh, one of my favorite players, LeGarrette Blunt. Sometimes he would have a game where he would have two touches, right? The entire game he would have two touches because the the defensive front, you know, like the Texans would have a real strong defensive front, so they would not even bother with it. But then they'd play a weak team up front, and he'd have the ball, you know, 30 times. So it sounds to me like the Panthers just kind of like copy and paste every week regardless of who they're playing against is what you guys so are here's saying? What, here's what my take on that is. One, um, the common trend you'll see here is we have these weapons that have like all sorts of various uses you could use for them have so many limitless opportunities and we use none of them like cam we (laughs) we don't let cam run we don't play to his strengths we like don't put McCaffrey in these different situations we basically just kind of pigeonhole him into 1970 style football but as far as the game planning we for the most part yes we just copy and paste our game plan from week to week we're going to run the ball the middle as many times as we're allowed to and then uh maybe throw it but last week was the, I don't know, a little change up in that we called it on this podcast, as sad as this is, coming into last week, the Saints had this historically inept deep passing defense. They had allowed like 15 of 16 completions for like 400 something yards for four touchdowns. Like perfect passer rating on deep passes. Cam threw half as many balls down the field as he has all season. We threw nothing but bubble screens and quick slants. Wow. We okay. <laughs> we we had 21 passing yards at halftime, and Cam had completed six passes for 21 yards. 
against the Saints defense that can't cover it allowed one incompletion on a deep pass all season. Yeah, and I was going to say, we just played the Saints. You know, they, as long as you get the ball out real quick, they their defense is not super strong. You know, they were, Brady was throwing it deep constantly. So that's really weird that they would not game plan that way, you, at least to me. If you've been watching the Panthers for the last several years, it's not weird. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised at all. We weren't. Like we said, well, we brought it up in the Slack <laughs> chat earlier, but um, Cam is more fit for the deep passing attack, the deep to intermediate passing attack, and what they've done to try and protect him, quote-unquote, is incorporate a shorter passing attack. And number one, Cam's not really all that great at that. He generally tends to telegraph where he's throwing the ball right from the snap. Um, and on top of that, if Cam's not taking a deep drop and the offensive line isn't protecting him for a deep drop, if the ball that he's not looking to throw is not there, he gets sacked. Like, because the protection's not designed to last that long. So, it's it's been a struggle for Cam. I'm hoping that the rust starts to wear off. Um, this is another example of us having a weapon and using it where he's at his very worst. So, I know I know this is not an easy question to answer, but in 2013, the Monday Night Football game, Cam pretty much beat the Pats single-handedly. I mean, you know, there were other plays during these things, but he was just killing it on us. W- what's changed since the 2015 uh, Super Bowl season? We're scared. Of, of, of him getting hurt? Because mm-hmm. I, I actually watched watched in person that 2016 season over against the, the Broncos game. I'm sure it's famous to you guys because of how just... Oh, I was there des- with you too, Spencer. Yeah. Destroyed, destroyed that he was. I mean, he was so destroyed. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback been as, you know, destroyed out on the field. It, has it changed since that? Like, you know, just in general, you're scared of him getting hurt? No, because the next week he came out and threw for like 350 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, it was against San Francisco but it was the same type of thing. And then the week after that, Michael Orr got hurt and he got his ankle rolled up on for like the eighth time in his career. And, and then that, the week after that, he got a concussion. And then we basically decided like, all right, Cam's not allowed to run anymore. And we're going to put him in bubble wrap. And it's everything's been downhill since then. It's a tough one because he's your franchise quarterback. He, you're, you know, you want him to be there for the long term, but Injuries are a part of football, you know? That's tough. The thing is, it doesn't matter how long he sticks around if you're not going to let him be good while he's here. Yeah. Exactly. Do you guys feel the, um, now for, I I feel like we have a cam in in your sense in, uh, in Gronk, you know, in that every snap he's out there on the field, he's just beast. But a lot of Pats fans, you know, will be watching it and we'll get a lead of like 10, 14 points and we'll be like, sit him, sit him. What's he doing out there? Sit him, you know? I, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys feel about, like, you know, I, I guess just Bronk in general and, and, you know, maybe some of the other Pats offensive. Like, how, how do you guys, like, perceive them? Gronkowski looks like an adult playing with children. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. Like, he just... He's my... Yeah, he's my favorite non-Panthers player in the entire league. I mean, I, he's... If, if you ask the question, you know, what player would you take from any team, I would take Gronk. Even though we had have Greg Olson, I would take Gronk. Because he's unstoppable. And it's weird how he's unstoppable. Like, it, he doesn't, he's not like, he, he's just like this, like, mix of everything good. He's not, like, the fastest. He might not be the strongest. But somehow he's just always open. It's so crazy how open they leave him on these seam routes up the middle, you know? 40 yards later, it's a touchdown. Yeah. It's and, just... then, and then he's just got defenders bouncing off of him, and he's, like, dragging them behind him as he goes into the end zone <laughs> with his bionic arm and all that fun stuff. <laughs> That's fun for us to watch. That's fun for it's us to watch. It's pretty fun to watch I, I, as a neutral observer, too, as long as it's not against us. Well, it's just like in 2015, as a neutral observer to the Panthers games, you know, seeing Cam, like, bob and weave and, like, run for 30-yard touchdowns was just crazy, you know, because that's not anything we've ever seen. You know, Brady's <laughs> ran 30 yards his entire life, you know. Yeah, for, <laughs> so. and Brady, Tom Brady, though, I will say, though, I think Tom Brady running might be just as entertaining as Cam running, but for completely different reasons. I agree. I, have, I love watching I Tom Brady this, scramble. I have probably the saddest story of all time. So one time, my buds and I were just out practicing football, right? And we and we we set up some cones for the forty yard dash, and we were like, let's try to beat Tom Brady's uh, five point four whatever. We looked it up from the combine, and we couldn't. And we were like, damn, <laughs> I'm slower than him. <laughs> and we've all seen we've all seen what it looks like when he runs, and we were like, damn, I'm slower than him. He looks, he looks like he's wearing like boots when he tries to scramble. And like he, like he looks like if he tries to slide, he's not running fast enough to actually slide. 
<laughs> like you know, he would stop yeah. in, on the ground. Yeah. He would just kind of like he just kind of would sit. He would just go from running to sit, and there's no 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 stopping momentum. One one thing I will say because I cannot believe I've gone like 20 minutes without mentioning Tom Brady. Right? I mean, Tom Brady. Oh it's, God. It's oh God, Tom. Just oh God, please. Tom. <laughs> the one thing I would say, and 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 you know, you guys will you know be watching for this on Sunday. The one thing that he has improved over the past three or four years that I really think has like elevated him to the point where he can still play is him moving around in the pocket. He's not the fastest by any means, and he's not even like, he doesn't move around as much as nearly a lot of the mobile quarterbacks, but he has it down to a science where like he'll move those two exact steps needed, you know, and that'll get him open just enough for that. And it's something you didn't see before, you know, before let's say the 2011 Super Bowl season, you know, he would just kind of like, if he had to roll out, he would, but he would just kind of stay there. But now if a pass rusher comes in, he, he, he just has it down to a science where he can move that one that one step, and it's it's it really is a thing of beauty. I, I really like watching it. He used to be like Carson Wentz, where he would get to the top of his drop and plant his feet, and that's where his feet are going to stay until he throws the ball. And now, yeah, and now, granted, if you have Randy Moss, um, that's a fine way to do it. <laughs> you can just you can just stand there, and if you're about to get tackled, just throw it in his direction, and he'll probably catch it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a thing of wonder. So, um. Yeah, did, I, I guess since you know I'm the I'm the guest of honor on here. Did you guys have any like general questions about like Pat's anyone on it offense defense? Any questions for me, Brian? I have a question. I was gonna actually uh, start pushing us towards that. Um, Rocket. So I'm gonna start with the Patriots offense. So Spencer, regarding the uh, Panthers offense versus Panther defense, what do you think would be the biggest key or the key matchup of? Sunday, like, what's the biggest thing that will either lead to the Patriots winning or losing if it doesn't succeed? Now you said Panthers for both. Did you mean Patriots offense Patriots versus Panthers? Pan- which, which Patriots <laughs> offense versus Panthers defense? Gotcha, gotcha. Blow, well, whatever. my 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 first thing would be I know that you guys have an amazing linebacking core and a pretty good front seven in general. So it would just be, is there a weak link on the secondary? Oh, yes. And if and if so, will Brady pick on him? Um, yes, I, he will. Are you guys going to be wor- like? It, I, I imagine Brandon Cooks or uh, Chris Hogan in the slot, and that causing some problems, especially on like play action plays and stuff like that. So yeah, you said you guys both agreed. Who's the player to watch for on the on the defense that you said is a, is the weak Darryl link? Worley. Yeah, Daryl Worley easily, and he's a cornerback. Cor- Spencer, then. that's yeah, that's the second starting corner, and he, if he if he even plays. He'd be the outside corner. If he doesn't, it would be either Captain Munderland or a Kevon Seymour. And Kevon Seymour saw Tom Brady and the Patriots in his rookie season twice and didn't do super well. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe. So you said he's uh, that cornerback's more of the like the outside cornerback. Yeah, he, he gave up two touchdowns last yeah, week. Yeah, he's exclusively an outside corner. He gave up two touchdowns okay. last week by himself. So that's <laughs> not great. <laughs> So maybe, uh, maybe uh, sometimes they put Hogan on the outside or Cooks. It would probably be Hogan or Cooks would be the would be the one to watch out for the big game. Then I'm guessing. I, I you know, the, the the question you originally asked, Brian. I mean, the first thing you want to say is how are you against tight end play? But your linebackers are so good that like I feel like Gronk is not going to have a huge game. And I also feel like unless they do a lot of like little like outside runs, that they're not going to have a great like run game this week. Well, before yesterday or Sunday's game. We were like unbelievable at stopping the run. For whatever reason, we kind of we decided to stop tackling running backs, and it worked so well. But I would think, what my conclusion I came to writing my defensive review was that the running I'm not worried at all about your guys' running game. Mike Gillisley looks like he hasn't been super efficient so far. I just think so. I think I'm expecting you guys to throw the ball like 45 times and throw a couple shots to Hogan and Cooks running deep on Brandon or on a Worley or Munderland or whoever's out there and probably succeeding at it. I'm personally hoping to see a lot of the little, I don't even want to call it dink and dunk, but uh, throws to the running back. Yeah, you that's know, always little, so problematic for us, too. Yeah, I had, a, I had a feeling that something like that would be going on, so, yeah. Well, we play so much zone coverage that we just leave the flats wide open, pretty much, and just to say, like, hope the other team gets impatient and tries to force something that's not there and then come up and tackle. But if you wanted to, you could James White, in particular, could very easily get 10 catches. Uh, like well, I mean, that's the that's the thing. Um, 
uh, Brady plays the worst against good teams that can do man-to-man, usually with zone teams, especially teams that play a lot of zone. He can just pick, I mean, he just reads it and picks it up, you know? Great. Well, start Tom on your fantasy team because all we do is play zone. Oh, Tom. Oh, God, I got, I got him in my league. It'll be fine. I mean, everyone else stinks, but at least he'll get me some points. Probably a lot. So to push the conversation further, we're going to go ahead and jump to the defensive side of it. So Carolina's defense was lights out first two weeks. Last week against a Drew Brees and Sean Payton-led offense with a lot of quick twitch passing. Looked like a bottom-tier defense, and obviously um, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady can certainly bring that to the table. So, Spencer, what's your biggest concern slash – well, actually, no, we're, we're going with offense, aren't we? Shit. We did that. Anyway. <laughs> My bad. Um, Take everything so, Brian just said and just say it and just reverse just, it. You're, hey, you're editing this, so you can cut it out. But anyway. Out. Um, all right. Well, feel free. <laughs> Not to. Anyway, um, so the Panthers' offense has struggled. Um, running the ball has gone relatively well for them, but generally that's not going to win you a football game if you're doing that 40 times a game. So the Patriots' defense was ranked in the bottom of the NFL right now, but obviously the Saints last week were ranked below the Patriots, and they came out and had a really solid defensive performance. So, Spencer, what is it about – the Panthers' offense, and this is going to be funny to hear for Panthers fans <laughs> to hear me say, but what is it about the Panthers' offense that would scare you the most? Slash, what is the the big key to this game as far as the Patriots winning on defense goes? Well, two of the two of the things that I would have originally said are already out. The first is Greg Olson because this year we have uh, Patrick Chung. Generally, uh, he's a he's a safety. Generally, gets all the tight ends, and he has not looked good this year. But you know, Olson's out, so. That's nice for us, I guess. Yay, and, Patriots! And, and yeah. the second, and the second would That's be Cam running a. Cam, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and the second would be Cam uh, just running around. But from what you guys are saying, it's it's not happening too much. So my biggest thing is our like, I, I have shades of twenty eleven here, where the Pats made the Super Bowl, but they had the worst defense in the league, like statistically. I have shades of that so far, which is weird because this unit is not this bad. It's not this bad to give up, um, you know, 33 points to the Texans. You know, it's it, but I don't know what's not gelling about it. So my biggest fear is just slamming us up the middle. Our run defenses look so bad, and this is a key. Allen Branch, uh, our big um, run-stuffing tight end, all right, I'm sorry, uh, defensive tackle, has uh, just been nowhere. He's, like, barely been playing. He's playing five snaps a game. Apparently his conditioning is really bad. I, I was super pumped when uh, we re-signed him. He's like 32, 33 years old, but he's done nothing so far. So uh, the Patriots D-line in general is the biggest thing. If you guys can just get a little push on there, get four or five yards a run, it's going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, there's just... The, the Pats are pretty good at um, red zone defense, but I swear every single like drive is just four, five, six, seven plays because they're just able to run it up the middle for six, seven yards. So definitely that. I mean, if, if Jonathan Stewart has a big game with that, it's... It's going to be a high-scoring game. My question is, I saw. I remember at the beginning of the year, before I like looked, I didn't really know anything about you guys. The Patriots' defense was regarded as going to be one of the better units in the NFL, which is going to be part of you guys being this uh, most likely undefeated team ever. And then I did like, after that first Chiefs game, I looked and like, I don't know who anybody on this front seven is. And if I'm not mistaken, a lot of, especially on the end, you guys are pretty small, aren't you? Like that front yeah, it, seven doesn't it, it, look that great, and it's hard to have a dominating defense with a small and not dominant front seven, even if your secondary is strong, which I know yours is. No, it's totally true. That's been, it's been a big problem. Now, uh, one, one person on the line that I think is going to be a uh, star years to come, uh, Trey Flowers. He had a couple oh, really, of really, really big play in the Super Bowl, and, and he's in general pretty good, but like the deal, uh, the, the general tackles and the rest of the ends, we're playing a lot of just like straight up, Straight up rookies, like not even drafted rookies, just undrafted people. Uh, Dietrich Wise has been a pretty good end, but like there, there's just been no gelling on that. So uh, again, I feel it's all the front seven just not getting any pressure. And if they get pressure, oh my god, you you have to see some of these tackles that they were trying to get on a uh, Watson last week. It was just, it was bad. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So so were you expecting your? I know you weren't expecting to be you know worse in the league, but. 
did you, I guess, disagree with the general consensus that the Patriots were going to have a top defense to go along with their league-best offense? I thought they were going to have a top-scoring defense. The Patriots have never been shut down in terms of, like, like a Seahawks from 2013-2014 where, you know, it's just interceptions galore. They've never been that, but what they have been good at is, okay, we'll give you the long field goal attempt, but for some reason we're magically going to start, like, you know, shortening up now, and now we're okay kind of thing. Last year they did have the best scoring defense in terms of points, but they were middle of the road when it comes to yards because they were just like, whatever, we'll give you the yards, who cares? I expected something similar to that. You know, a top 10 uh, scoring defense, the fact that they have given up so many huge plays, I mean, I forget the stat, but I think they've given up like six or seven plays of 40 yards or more and we're three games into the season. I never would have guessed that. And I really feel like because we have so many just rookies on there and, uh, you know, Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback, is new, uh, that they're just they haven't gelled yet for whatever reason. Um, now is a great time. I don't know if that. you guys are familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys. I mean, the, and the Pats have always started out slow um, in a lot of their Super Bowl winning seasons. They've started out one and, you know, one and two, two and two kind of thing. I mean, you can kind of tell. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with our defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. He's the guy who who. Uh, has the has the big beard and like just kind of looks like uh he just kind of walked off off the street kind of thing. You'll like see him on the sideline and he'll be like holding up his hands like what was that? Like like not even like close to expecting it. So it's it's gonna be a game, man. I'm telling you. I don't know about that. <laughs> we just got beat by 21 to the Saints in our house. Yeah, we we scored 13 on the Saints at home. Listen, yeah, man, a big the, play from Samuel to even get us I'll, I'll, I'll come back and say that the Texans only beat the uh, Bengals like 10 to 7 on that terrible Thursday night game. And then they came out and scored 33 points. And if Brady wasn't Brady, we would have lost that game pretty dang bad. So it's it's a worry. This defense is definitely a worry. I have all positives to say about the offense, but I mean, you, you can't just keep going. <laughs> Having to score 35 points a game, you know, that's the Peyton Manning disaster from the from the mid 2000s, where you'd have to just go out and score 35 points a game to win. You, you just don't want that. Yeah, well, I I, I don't know. I, I I've said this. So one of the comments that somebody left on our site, um, and I just and I my response to this, it was something pretty much what you said. Your guys' defense is bad, and we should expect to see the Panthers score a lot of points. And after seeing what we looked like the last two weeks in particular, where we scored, what, 22 points against the Bills and the Saints. Uh, I have, I just can't imagine this offense, offense with the Panthers' uniforms on that moves the ball consistently and scores points. <laughs> you know, I was actually going to ask you, I didn't know if this worked into the questions, and, and cut me off whenever you have to, Brian, but Kelvin Benjamin's going to be playing. Um, it... it is he something to worry about? Our our uh, our cornerbacks generally aren't very big. Butler's like five eleven, six foot, um, and he's he's a big man. Just jump the slant routes every single time. I so yep. I just found that NFL next gen stats thing, and I have another question on this. I'll get to that after we talk about Kelvin Benjamin. But um, I looked at Kelvin Benjamin's routes from week two because that's the only one they have him for for this season. He ran or he had targeted uh, eight times. He ran. Six or six of those were routes where he ran and then broke in. Another one was just kind of like a seam stop route, and then he threw, he ran one comeback. So everything he ran was in breaking route, pretty much in the short to intermediate range. So even though he's big, why aren't you, can, you why aren't you running him deep? I don't know because Mike Shula is our <laughs> offensive coordinator. We don't have answers for these things. That's why we're so frustrated. That would be frustrating because if we had a six foot five receiver. I mean, Brady would. Brady's throwing up 50-50 balls to five eleven Brandon Cooks, right? I mean, he's fast yeah, as heck, but, he's, not a but he's throwing up fifty fifty jump balls to. Right, right. Uh, if we had a six foot five guy to throw up jump balls to, I mean, that's that would be wonderful, right? That's what I would do if I were calling <laughs> plays. I'd send Benjamin deep many times to Del Cam. Like, if he's open, throw it to him. If he's not open, I'd throw it to him anyway, because. There's a good chance he'll catch it. He's not now <laughs> because he's six. Yeah, now, five. <laughs> now granted, Kelvin Benjamin is not. As for as big and strong as big and strong as he is, he's not the best at high pointing the ball. His timing is kind of shaky. But the, on the rare instances where we do actually give him a chance, he's pretty good at like boxing out and getting good positioning, even if he jumps 
four seconds too early. But we like we don't we don't really utilize that, especially this year. We haven't thrown him like any fade routes or jump balls or anything. Surprises me. The other thing, so on that next gen stat, well, yeah, on that next gen stat, and this is something that's fascinated me today, uh, and maybe have an answer for me. Why does Tom Brady throw the ball to the left, like exclusively? Yeah, I saw that too, and I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I, I wish there was an answer to that because a lot of times, uh, you know, Gronk or Hogan or whatever, a big player will be to the right. But I saw his uh, pass breakdown from uh, from last week, and it was it was mostly to the left. It was I I, I honestly do not. I looked know. it up. I, I wish it's I could been all tell you season. That one. He's thrown like two thirds of his passes to the left side of the field. Like he, like last week, he has more I mean, passes outside the numbers to the left than he has on the entire right side of the field. I, I honestly cannot. That that's a weird one because the O line play has been okay, uh, but the one weak spot on the O line so far has been our left tackle Nate Solder. Um, and you would I don't know. You would think you would kind of maybe throw to the opposite side of the person who's giving you problems. I I mean that's the only thing that makes sense. Maybe they're throwing to the side of the guy that's giving him problems. But yeah, that's a very very interesting one that I saw as well. Uh, it's the magic of Brady. So I is guess. Nate Solder not good? Well, let me go ahead and tell you now what's going to happen. All right. <laughs> he only throws the left side of the field. So if you're a defensive coordinator, you would think, well, let's double team the guys that are on the left and let's shift our focus to the left side of the field. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to leave the left side of the field wide ass open. <laughs> and we're going to focus all of our attention on the right side of the field where Brady's only thrown the ball like three times like all year. And <laughs> that side is going to be triple covered by all of our, our – um, defensive backs and you're going to have Brandon Cooks and you're going to have um what's the other re- receiver's Hogan. name Hogan Chris Hogan they're going to be wide open on the left side of the field and Tom Brady is going to throw it to them and they're going to catch it and they're going to run with it and they're going to gain a lot of yards and they're going to score a lot of points <laughs> and we're not going to you know we're not going to go in the locker room at halftime and Ron Rivera is not going to say how can we stop this from happening and Steve Wilkes is not going to say we should cover the left side of the field. You know that conversation will not happen. And you're, you know, Tom is just going to keep doing it, and we're going to be angry, and we're all probably going to turn off our televisions by the middle of the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, I would take that if that was the case. I would take that, but I, I, I don't know. For some reason, you know, I've watched every Pats game for the past. God, 15 years or whatever. And for some reason, I feel like teams play the Pats better than they play other teams. I I don't know if it's just because you're playing, like, you know, the champion or a real good team, but I, I foresee a much closer game I'm than sure, that. Hopefully I'm wrong, though. Hopefully you got it. I'm sure it. there is. <laughs> Hopefully you I'm got sure it just there right. is a, a target on your guys' back just because you've been so good for so long that everybody's got that extra effort to, hey, let's go be that team that beats New England, especially in New England. Like, you know, you have that little extra oomph to, to bring it. It, it, it could honestly be that, but I, I, I always feel like that's the case. Like, just teams play them very well, and you're like, where did this come from? I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. But if there's any team that's going to come out and, for, and inexplicably not show up, it's this team. We saw it last week. <laughs> it's early in the season. It's a, it's, a, it's a trend that's been happening as long as Rivera's been here. We just come out, and especially early in the season, we look discombobulated, and we just look flat. And then we get into a situation where uh, our backs are against the wall or, like, Ron Averis coaches for his job or, like, if we start losing anymore, we'll miss the playoffs. And all of a sudden, the just switch turns on and we become really good. Like, even when we went 15-1, and one, we barely beat Jacksonville. We won. We, we like, Ryan Mallett it had a fourth throw into the end zone that if it was caught, we would have lost to Houston in week two. And I remember week three, it was an equally inferior team that we barely beat. And... We just happened to play bad teams and catch the good breaks early in the season, and then we got our hot streak and won those seven homers. So it's it's still early in the season, so I expect a team that's not just not sharp, and you guys probably will look sharp. So you guys in, are you guys in general just not big on uh, Ron Rivera I'm, anymore? Ron Rivera is no, I'm, yeah, I'm done with him. him. I'm okay with Rivera. I think it's partly just because he's a nice guy. I, I respect him so much as a person. Um, offensive coordinator is where my big gripe is. Okay, I, I should clarify my, my stance. I think Ron's a great guy. Like today he donated fifty thousand dollars to Puerto Rico. You know, I feel like I feel like we should separate Ron Rivera the person 
and Ron Rivera, the coach, because right. I like Ron Rivera, the person. I think he's a nice guy. But last week, it's in the third quarter. Uh, it's 24 to 6, New Orleans. We have the ball. We haven't done shit all day. It's fourth down and five. We're on New Orleans' 35 yard line. And Ron Rivera punted. Oh. <laughs> so, when you're down that big, you got you to gotta test the water sometimes. At least sometime. a field goal. There are, like, there, there are three options in that situation. You can A, punt, B, kick a field goal. It's 52 yards. Or C, go for it on fourth down. Two of those three answers are the right choice. And, you know, you can argue kick a field goal versus go for it. You know, you need points, but – you need to be aggressive. I, you know, that's just a minor disagreement about strategy, but nobody should punt in that situation, you know. And and he did, and I hated it then. I hated it when it happened, and you know, right after that was when Luke Keekley dropped his pick six, which never happens, but it did. Um, so, you know, theoretically, that could have been ten points right there, and we would have been right back in the game. But what made me done with him is, you know, Monday during his press conference with the media, he said he looked back at the film and he stood by his decision to punt. And to me, that's waving the white flag. And I can't, I can't get behind a coach that throws in the towel that early. You know, he, he, he gave the worst possible message you can give to a, a football team when he said, I don't believe in you, go punt. And, you know, I just, I, I can't get behind that. You should right. never. There's no. Right. There's one situation where you punt from the opponent's 35 yard line, and that is if you're already by multiple scores at the end of the game. Like it, that, or it's you know the game. It's it's nine yeah, to six. It's in the fourth quarter, and there's a blizzard. Yeah, there's you know, you, you've been stopping. You know, nobody can score, and it's yeah. You play field position. Yeah, but, but if you're down, if you're down past the past the third quarter, you got to go for it. There, if you you're losing you at any it. point, you have to go for it, and it's it's mind blowing that now, he did. Now wait a second, what happened to Riverboat Ron, man? That was a thing. That was a meme for the longest time. Riverboat Ron, roll the dice. <laughs> Not oh, he, thing he, yeah, he died. Yeah, he let the boat go out to shore, and he, <laughs> yeah, it's the, gone. That was a great thing Soccer during twenty fifteen. Riverboat Ron, thing, again to go back to. You. We are so scared to do anything. We have got we've gotten so much into a shell. We there is no aggressiveness to anything we do anymore. We're like we won't let Cam run. We won't let we won't let him throw it down the field. We won't go for it on fourth down. We won't like man up in coverage. We just don't do anything that resembles aggressiveness at all. That's surprising for the team that you have, guys. That that really it's is very sad. Tell us about it. It is so <laughs> frustrating. Well, like, look at the talent we have. Like almost everywhere, and like I get that we've had some injury, bad luck with injuries with Olsen and uh, Benjamin stuff, but there is no reason that we should, we have an offense that struggles to score touchdowns against anybody. Not like not not even to say the worst defense in the NFL. Like there's no reason this team should struggle so much to move the ball. It's 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 infuriating to watch. So Spencer, I know we've been talking about the Panthers a whole lot. Um. Want to get back to the Patriots a little bit? Sure. Um, so, are there any dark horse rookies or undrafted free agents or just players in general that the general populace of the NFL wouldn't know about that could make an impact on Sunday? Yeah, I'll hit you up with a couple. Like uh, I mentioned long before, one of the DNs, uh, Dietrich Wise, um, he was just a just a guy that was just pulled off the street and. Uh, you know, just uh, just made it onto the team. He, although he doesn't have the flashy numbers so far, if you look at, like, hurries and pressures and stuff like that, he's been doing an okay job at that. Um, although, uh, as we all know, their D-line and, you know, DN still aren't, like, crazy yet. Uh, I feel like it could, it could do pretty good there. Um, Rex Burkhead, although he's not a rookie at all, not a lot of people are super familiar with him uh, because he was kind of, uh, I think he was third- on the uh, depth chart as a running back for the uh, the illustrious Cincinnati Bengals, you know, so of course he couldn't yep. be used because that that team's just way too good to you know. And uh, and the Pats actually gave him a lot of money for a running back. Like they never, you know, 
the 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 Pats are famous for being like you know they gave Blunt a million dollars during his and of course that's a lot of money you know for us normal people but for fo- football people it's not much on the on the season last season when he had like eighteen touchdowns you know it's like he was signed to a one million dollar contract. Um, Burkhead's uh, he's kind of like if you take a Gillisley who's more of just your standard runner. And you're James White, who's more of like your your pass catching guy, and just kind of morph them together. Um, I really feel like as the season goes on, he's going to be a more a more integral part. We've seen him do both things decently well. Now he didn't play last week because of a injury in the the week two game, but I really feel like he'll uh, he'll uh, he'll be there. Um, one more I'll help with real quick. Um, Kyle Van Noy uh, is a linebacker who, when Hightower is out, is the signal caller and all that. And uh, I think he came over from, like, the Lions. Uh, yeah, you sniped sometime. him from the Lions for a very, very late pick. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's... No one on the Pats... The, the problem with the Pats D is nobody besides Hightower, who I have all the praise in the world for, except for he can't stay on the field. No one besides Hightower is, like, unstoppable. Oh, he's the guy. But, like, Noy is oftentimes there with, uh, you know, like, the the tackle that you don't expect to be made or the quick run stuff. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's pretty he's pretty good. And especially when you have Hightower out there, both of them together are a great combo. I was all aboard the Rex Burkhead trade for fantasy, and I have been disappointed so far. Please tell them to change that. <laughs> he had the one touch. He had the one touchdown yeah. week two, dude. I'm telling you, man. Like you just, it's, uh, it's so tough to pick a, a pick a pat for fantasy. It just, just is what so it on is. That run, <laughs> how has Mike Gillisley been? I know he had that big three touchdowns to start, but then I looked it up and he's only averaging like three and a half yards a carry. Has he been as advertised, or have you been disappointed? Because he was a big, he's like a big play threat with Buffalo. He was hitting like four touchdowns. It seemed like every other week. Like, what's been the issue with him? The second. <clears throat> The second he's been signed, I expected him to be the heir apparent to LeGarrette. Yeah, the... Now, LeGarrette was the exact same way, where he would have a game where if you had him in fantasy or just whatever, you know, you would see five. I, sometimes it would be like seven carries for four yards, and that was it. But, like, he, Gillisley is more of the, the short yard back, which is why he had those three touchdowns. Literally every single one of those touchdowns was from, like, the inch yard line uh, week one. It just, it just was what it was. And he's the... Um, He's the guy who breaks down your team at the end. You know, in the fourth, your defense is getting tired. Uh, LeGarrette did this this so great, you know, and he just, you know, the defense has already kind of given up. You're up by 7, 10 points, and you're just pounding through, pounding through. We haven't got a chance to see that yet because all the games have been so gosh darn close or they've been coming behind, from behind. Um, So... I'm a little disappointed if there was one big flaw in the Patriots offense. It's their third and one and fourth and one calling. It is so like I feel your guys' general frustration because like they'll they'll have third and one and they have all these great playmakers. They have Gronk and Hogan and, and Amendola, all these people that can get open for a quick slant for a couple yards, and they're pounding up the middle with Gillisley. You know, you could even, like, they have two very small, elusive running backs in uh, James White and Deion Lewis. A lot of people forget about Deion Lewis. You know, a guy that on, on third and one, you can kind of just have sneak between the, the center and the guard, right? Like, just a little tiny guy that just can get those couple yards. And yet they're pounding it up the middle with Gillisley, and it's it's so hard to watch on these on these third and fourth and one. Like I said, if if, if I was uh, Josh McDaniels, the, um, the play caller, uh... I would on third and one spread everyone out five wide and be like, beat my guys, right? Beat Amendola, beat Hogan, beat Cooks, beat them. You know, you're not going to beat us by like stacking the box and just, you know, doing this third and one. So to answer your original question to Gillisley, I'm a little disappointed, although we haven't seen him how I really want to see him. I want to see him in a fourth quarter up by 10 points, wasting seven minutes of the clock, you know, just over and over again, five, six, seven yards. I feel like that's what we'll see, you know, at some point that, this year. Probably Sunday. <laughs> that, that NFL thing where, yeah. where you just said, where you guys on third and one, fourth one, you always go. You probably you bring in, like, what, extra tight ends, extra linemen. You go, like, I-formation. Yeah. Heavy package, so, man. So that's the thing. I don't understand. It's like the last – it's like this NFL not advancing, which they're notorious for doing. I had never – because we do the same thing where we line up. Every time we get the ball inside the five-yard line, first and second down is going to be – I formation handoff of the middle. And I've never understood why do you bring all these extra offensive linemen? All you're doing is giving more, putting more traffic in the way of your running backs to pick up these yards. 
like for every extra lineman you bring in, you're bringing an extra defender just to get in the way, even if they block their guys. Especially if you have elusive guys like a McCaffrey or a White dude, I would take a like I would take a chance on on a McCaffrey to just be like out of the shotgun and be like get over, get two yards. You know, we don't need anything. Yeah, you know, spread them out. Um, I feel your pain on that one. Yeah, like I mean, James White's a good runner too, right? Like he's not just a pass catcher, really. Yeah, no, he he is an elusive runner. You, I mean, you don't want him when you're breaking down the defense, but to get a yard, I De- last year we had a game against the Broncos where we used Deion Lewis. Uh, you know, he's probably five eight, you know, one eighty or whatever, and we used him as the main running back. And the reason for that was their D, their front seven is so like big and burly and whatever that he was just kind of sneaking through. You know, all these little holes, three, four, five yards at a time, chipping away. And I'm like, why can't you do that? If you're going to call someone in for a fourth down run, call in a little guy. I, you know, a bruiser is going to get just, like, stuffed at the line for the most part. So, no, I totally I totally understand your frustration there. And uh, hopefully we don't see too many fourth and ones uh, on if Sunday. It, for either team, <laughs> we'll, we'll know what's coming from, from, our, from our couches. Oh, it's crazy, dude! And like, like, literally, you will like, you will be able to call it. You know, you'll you'll see third and one, heavy set and Gillisley out there, and you're like, a play action would, you know, unless Brady's getting sacked there, that's like a guaranteed, you know, five ten yards on some little like slant route or whatever. But it's like, nope, run up the middle. Oh, stuffed. Oh, isn't Never, that crazy? How did they know what we were going to do? It's almost like they were ready for this exact play call before we even broke the huddle. It's almost like we brought out the heavy set and they countered. Yeah, with it's, it. it's just. It's, <laughs> It's it's just something I'll never understand, and it's probably not going away anytime soon. And it's just it's at least we both get to experience. I feel like every fan base gets to experience well, that frustration now. Especially nowadays that there's so few like RB ones. Like everyone has a committee, and everyone has a James White type guy. It's like it's so old school that it's like oh third and one, just run it up the middle. You know, it's it's really odd with all the passing and all the short little stuff that's going on. It's like. Just do a little, like, dunk dunk off pass, man. Like, they work. I'm surprised if all teams that the Patriots <laughs> are still kind of falling into that trap, too, because you guys, you know, are the, the innovators, the forward-thinking team of the NFL. It's it's the one major complaint I would have with the play calling is you, you get to third and one, and you're like, you know, last year when you saw LeGarrette Blunt out there in the backfield, you're like, what are we going to do? What do you think? Is LeGarrette Blunt going to go out there for a little wheel route? Like, what, are, are, you, what are we going to do? We're going to pound up the middle. Toss you know. sweep outside? Yeah, yeah, right. It's just just straight up the middle, and it's uh, it's so frustrating. So we're getting down to the last few minutes of the podcast. How much time we have? Um, so Spencer, I'm gonna afford you something that not a lot of podcasts do, but we are trying to you know be different here. Okay. Um. So what questions do you have for us about the Carolina Panthers? Fine. I feel like I've already asked a bunch of them, which I think yeah, you, guys... you asked a ton of questions already. <laughs> it's Sorry, okay. I, I, I have a habit of I have a habit of both talking a lot and turning interviews into interviews on the other person. That's just that's just. Hey, that's okay. Um, you know, we we appreciate it. I'm sure tons of our listeners will learn a lot about the Panthers from, and hopefully some of you, the listeners from Pat's pulpit slash complete in box will. <laughs> get some questions well, there too but well, if let you me have ask any... you this long okay. long term long term nfc south looks like a really good division in general this year the bucks seem a little bit better uh the saints are probably the bottom dwellers but they're one of those teams that can beat anyone any week you know and the falcons of course are still really good what do you guys like what are your guys hopes for this for this year are you you know are you like no we have no chance at the playoffs are you like no we could do we could go deep in here it's all depends on the offense if the offense figures out what's going on, which I at this point have no faith in happening with this with the current coordinator in place, but if we if Cam is able to be Cam and do what he did in 2015, uh, which I think he's still capable of doing, then I think we can be a playoff team. And once you get to the playoffs, you know anything can happen. You just get to the right matchups, get the right breaks, and stuff like that. But and have the right with what you there. Well, let me let let me ask you one more question. Yeah. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Let me ask you one 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 more question. What was it like as Panthers fans watching a, another NFC South team blow a twenty eight to three lead? Yeah, like, oh, how glorious! Oh. Was it just the best? It was pretty fun. 
<laughs> let me let me let me tell you. On that night, I was like so just generally. I, I was very worried for the game because I knew the Falcons were were a really good team. I didn't expect it to obviously blow down that way. But once once it became twenty one to three, you know, I was pretty much just like, I don't want Brady to be embarrassed, right? Like, yeah, it was three Super Bowl losses, four wins, but like. I didn't want it to be like a blowout, you know, like a, like a like a 1980s level blowout where it's like 40 points. And I was sitting there like sulking and my wife, who knows nothing about football, like oh, they can come back. And I was like, you I was like, you don't know anything about football. It's fine. They can't, you know. And once they started scoring, I was like, well, you know, it's not it's not terrible. Right. It's not going to look so bad. Like, oh, he's the worst ever kind of thing. But for you guys hitting the Falcons, it must have been fantastic because I don't have any hate for the Falcons. If the Pats did that against, like, the Jets, it would have been, like, absolutely more wonderful. But it must have been great for you guys yeah, to I see you it. it. <laughs> John, why don't you share your opinion on 28-3 to 3 uh, jokes? I think that's this is okay, the Okay, so <laughs> the, the one, the biggest complaint I have is that you guys have made a meme, a joke, this 28-3 thing, and people have taken it and run it into the ground, and buried it, and beaten it, and dug it up, and buried it again. Yeah! Like, so, Casca Treater, we have a scratching post, open thread, but, you know, people can come in and talk about whatever. And people, for a while, have kind of, there's this thing people were doing where they were posting, like, a quote of the day, whoever, the people that got on early. And it was just, like, you know, a typical, like, get your day started, little motivational word, whatever. And for about six months the first comment reply to that would be somebody taking that quote and making a 28 to 3 joke out of it. And it was like, <laughs> all right, guys, this was funny for like five days. It's been six months. Like, I'm tired of reading these jokes. They're not funny anymore. They, they haven't been funny for a long I, time. I, I feel you. I feel you. The one positive thing about it is, and my friend who's not super big into football mentioned this uh, the other day. He was like, you know, this is great for the sport of football because now whenever a team is down big, you know, when people would normally be be, be shutting it off, the announcers could be like, well, remember the Super Bowl, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> so now, like, you know, Romo can be like, hey, I mean, you know, teams have been in worse situations than this. <laughs> but, oh, man. Yeah, that and uh, I know a question that you would have for me is, does 28 to 3 make up for 18 and 1? And although 18 and 1 in a way will always hurt – like just because it is what it is like it like any loss always hurts after the Seahawks game i was like i'm done i'm over it i don't have to think about it anymore but after this one 18 and one is like when people mention it now you have another number to throw back at them you know like we when we see giants games giants and pats games all that they do is wear 18 one shirts and stuff like that and we're like bro 28 3 it's fine it's fine i have one more <laughs> Giants fans still bring of that up. That do. was like oh my, 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you kidding Brad, me? Of if, course if, they if do. If 49ers fans will bring up the early 90s and Redskins fans will bring up the early 90s, you know Giants fans will bring up the <laughs> mid-2000s. That's, that's yesterday in terms of irrelevant fan oh, trash talk. They have they have shirts made up that just say 18-1, and one and, like, I know what that means, you know, and it's just like, that's that's it. That's what we got. <laughs> it, was, it was 11 years ago. It's what we got. I have one more question for you uh, on the back on the Patriots. Yes. So this is something that's come up with us with our with our offensive woes and our coaching staff uh, disappointment. What are your thoughts on Josh McDaniels, both as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach candidate? I really don't want to leave. So I'm going to, like, I don't know if he could be a good head coach again, but, like, his report with uh, – Brady and Belichick and everything like like I said his he, he's the main play caller and the only thing I have a problem with sometimes he thinks he's like a little too smart for his own good you know on the third third and ones and fourth and ones you know but I, I love him as a play caller like uh, again every single week it's different they look at the opposing defense and I feel like every team should do this I, I, I find it hard to believe that more teams don't do this they, they look at the opposing defense and say well their linebacking core is weak so let's run the ball you know, it's not like a like a like a like a Sean Payton and Drew Brees where it's like I don't care if uh, they they are we should run the ball fifty passes. You know, sometimes Brady will have a game where he'll throw the ball seventeen times, and that's what I love about it. And uh, you know, I it, it, it it's a rare combination where you have a, a a coach and an offensive coordinator that know know so much about it, but then also a quarterback that's willing to be like I don't need stats. Like like everyone is always like oh that's run up the score and stuff like that. Again, sometimes Brady will throw the ball seventeen times and have no touchdowns. You know, but they win and that's all they I care wish about. Run up so the score. it just that keep your foot on the gas, just <laughs> the mentality of it because 
if you watched, if you paid any attention to our 2015 season, even though we were winning games, we were just blowing teams out of the water for about two and a half quarters, and then we would just stop playing football and almost, and we'd almost blow every single win. I think I actually watched a bunch a bunch of those games, and it was uh, it was definitely something. To so, see. and then the thing that you know that's been kind of circulating around the internet is that play where you guys, uh, Josh McDaniel apparently over Josh McDaniels apparently overheard the Texans. Uh, two defensive backs talking about how they're going to attack a certain route combination when they ran their cover four in a certain situation. And McDaniel's like, "All right, well, uh, if, uh, we're just gonna next time we do this, run it out and up, and you'll be wide open." And it worked. And I was like, "God, that must be so nice." You guys adjusted <laughs> on the fly. You made an adjustment to how to think the game was going. How? Why? Why can't we do that? Why doesn't anybody else do that? Yeah, again, it's just it, it it seems like a normal thing, but like you have more Andy Reeds of the world. You know, Andy Reeds, the quintessential like I have my fifteen scripted out plays to start out the first quarter and the third quarter, right? And everything else is going to be as conservative as humanly possible. It, it's just it's weird that you don't have more, you know, like that. I, I I just I feel like your team would be an elite team in the NFC if they could just do that, you know, because the 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 people you have around and your defense is so good that your offense doesn't even have to do that much, you know? Score 17, 20 points a game, and that defense is, is killing it. So, I, I don't, right, I don't get Josh that one. On the list is cord, uh, coaches you want. Yep. yep. He was I already on my list. list. I, I would, it's tough, because both uh, Matt Patricia, the defense coordinator, and Josh McDaniels are, uh, you know, we're thinking about going. I don't know which one no I want to lose. No more defense. You know? No more defense. We've had nothing but defensive coaches the entire time we've had a team. <laughs> And that leads to the same problems every year where we are scared to do anything on offense. Speaking of play calling, I'll just say this real quick because I know we're up against time. Have you seen it this year with their with their young head coach, Sean McVay? What, uh, you broke up. The, what about the the Rams? Wait, what? Yeah. The, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So the, the, the Rams play this year with their young coach, Sean McVay. Have you yes. seen them play at all? Maybe. Okay, so, like, he – it's so, like, odd because he's the head coach, and he's, like – he calls all the offensive plays. So, like, there were there were shots of him during the Thursday night game last week where he was, like, sta- like sitting on the sideline, like, planning the next offensive series when, like, the defense was on. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, I know some coaches call the offensive plays, but he's, like, the offensive coordinator and the head coach. I don't know if that's going to lead anything in the future, but it's kind of cool to see. That's what I was just thinking is, like, Josh McDaniels, just as an example, I would love to see something like that where we have somebody who's, like, a head coach, offensive coordinator, and have a defensive coordinator. that Like, Steve Wilkes, I, at this point, I still trust. Just to be the play caller and then let, let the defense take care of itself and then be the one that designs everything and just kind of be in control of the offense. But that's wishful thinking. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a Sean Payton situation was not getting his hands involved in the uh, defense, which only happened like twice throughout his tenure throughout the uh, New Orleans Saints career that he's had. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, we're at our hour mark here, guys. Um, any last comments or words here? Um, thank you, Spencer, for being like the most rational Panthers fans on our Patriots fan in the face of the planet. Making this much more enjoyable than it could have been. Yeah, I, I, I still don't believe you're a Patriots fan. I tried. Oh, to. I know. It's I my know him in real life. He's he's a, he's a good guy. He's he's definitely a Patriots fan, but the one that I've wanted to punch in the face the least. So that's the yeah, goal. That's why I had him on. That's the goal, baby. Yeah. So no, good luck on uh, good luck on the game. Hopefully we have a hopefully have a good game. I mean, it's football, so it's always good. But hopefully it's a little better than that. <laughs> Somehow the Panthers and the Patriots run into each other at the Super Bowl which I highly doubt. We'll have you back on, Spencer. It um, sounds good to me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. And hope you enjoyed the show. Good day. Have a good night. Later.
darkness blind us Carry on, we'll be the ones That pull the stars down to us Stay strong, keep